2: Write that, write that down, Fumi Saito.
1: Hello from Burbank, California. Thank you. Arigato Mas for joining us for another episode of Write That Down on the Fight Game Media Network. My name is Justin Nipper. I'm an editor at Fight Game Media, staff writer, WrestlingReserver.com. I also work for Pro Wrestling NOAH. And I'm back with Mr. Fumi Saito. Last week... WWE Championship in Japan Part 1, we come back with Part 2, we're gonna pick up where we left off last week, Wrestling Summit 1990, we talked about Hulk Hogan in Japan in the early 90s, after his WWF contract expired. We talk about WWF Mania Tour, early 90s, we talk about WWF, WWE's VHS deals in Japan, television network deals in Japan, deals with satellite companies. I'm going to the weeds a little bit, but it's good. Lots of uh, interesting, unique, firsthand info. So let's get into it today. But before we get into it, please, please subscribe to the Fight Game Media Network podcast feed, Spotify, Apple, wherever you are usually listening to your podcast, please hit the subscribe or if there's a bell or some button that allows you to listen to this show every single week or any of the other great fight game media network shows, hit the subscribe button. It helps us out very much. And that's it. Part two, WWE Championship in Japan. Let's go. And yeah, we we had a warm up and now we're going to start, we're going to talk about We'll start at Wrestle Summit. We started. We're talking about Wrestle Summit 1990 last week.
2: Okay, rest, wrestling summit. Wrestling uh, 19, summit. Yeah, 1990. That April 13th. The, the, the only happened once. Only happened once that because three major companies in, in, in the world at the time: WWF and All Japan Pro Wrestling, Jan Baba's All Japan, and Antonio Inoki's New Japan Pro Wrestling. Although Antonio Inoki was already politician, then he wasn't involved. It was more Sakaguchi president. But three companies uh, work together in harmony, sort of, because they, the, the New Japan wrestlers, all Japan wrestlers, and WWE worked in same ring, right? Mm. And but we can talk about this in wrestling summit in one, you know, whole, whole episode of it. But today we're talking about WWE champions in Japan.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, because it's uh, kind of an introduction again, but. Uh, original Vince McMahon Sr.'s WWWF, Worldwide Wrestling Federation, was formed in 1963. It's been 60 years this year. Oh, my gosh. 60 years. Yeah. And Vincent Kennedy McMahon, today's Vince McMahon, bought this company from his father back in 1983, 40 years ago this year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Then another another 40 years 2023 endeavor purchase of WWE right mm-hmm. yeah another big step. yeah I think so because it's like a, six years 40 years and another 40 years and yeah 1983 was 40 years ago oh my gosh right <laughs> <laughs> do we feel old what yeah
1: well, I always, yeah, but, side. just a side note, I always kind of thought of my, my own age as parallel to around WrestleMania. So if you if you know how many WrestleManias nice, there are, yeah. you pretty much know my age. So there you go.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. That's interesting. Because mm. I've been watching wrestling since I was three years old. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. So, Wrestling Summit, I think, is a good, it's a nice image of of wwf in japan at that time because there was a lot of wwf talent on that show
2: and... yeah and then also it was like a, after five long five year ga- six year gap that the last time ww wwf champion Hulk kogan worked in new japan was back in 85 you know then they that the uh, business partnership between wwf and new japan they call it uh expired uh, they just Stop dealing with each other, I guess, and uh, none of the WWE superstar, you know, came to Japan for five years. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because New Japan in the early '80s, I mean late '70s into early '80s. That we talked about it last week. That you know, Bob Backlund freaking trip and that title change in Japan and the Inoki WWF champion in Japan. And all these things we talked about it last last week, right? Then it, January '84 how Hogan beat Iron Sheik for the first time and become WWF champion, but he was still making New Japan dates, hmm. you know, and uh, all through 84 and into 85. 85, you already had WrestleMania 1, you know, and right even after... Hulk Hogan, uh, Mr. T, Roddy Piper, porn those thing. He put on black tights and Ichiban, you know, writing on it and came back to Japan and worked New Japan dates and even defended WWF title against people like Fujinami. Mm-hmm. Then this business partnership basically expired. Not just Hulk Hogan, but, you know, they pulled you know, Adrian Adonis, the, then Dick, the, the WWF, Dick Murdoch, the Cowboy Bob Orton, the, none of those, you know, Brian Blair, the, the Paul Orndorff, none of those guys came back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. For five long years. That's like your WrestleMania, two, three, four, five. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And six. And what was interesting about Wrestling Summit at Tokyo Dome was that, oh, it was the second Tokyo Dome card ever. You know, that... Uh, Tokyo Dome opened in 1989, basically, and uh, 88 baseball season. In 89, New Japan had its its, uh, very first Tokyo Dome because they didn't think it was possible to have stadium show of that kind, right? Mm -hmm. But because up until then, the Sumo Palace and Budokan was your biggest building in Tokyo for wrestling. But now that the biggest show moved to Tokyo Dome, it's the same way that uh, you know people like Madonna, the J- Michael Jackson, the Janet Jackson, the, uh, they were playing Budokan up until then. And then all of a sudden, they were you know performing in front of Tokyo Dome. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so probably they, double the size of Budokan. Yeah, more
2: yeah, than that. More than that. not just double, pretty much like a triple. Triple, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. with concert, you know. Budokan holds what, Fifteen, 15 sixteen, yeah. yeah. And if you, yeah, and if you, hold, you know, if you pack Tokyo Dome in, a, you know, like a, a certain seating, they can pack up to what, sixty-five to sometimes seventy thousand. You know what I'm saying? Like in, right. you know, first retirement show mm-hmm. in ninety five. Was that 90? 90, oh, 98. I'm sorry. You know, the show they announced it like a 70,000 people today. It's like I'm not sure it was you know, an <laughs> right. Accurate, accurate number. But anyhow, that the wrestling summit April 13th, 1990. That night, that uh, Vince McMahon, of course, came, and uh, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, they sent. Uh Ricky Choshu, Masa Saito, Hashimoto, and Masachono, they worked against each other, just one match. And Nogami against Jushin Thunder Liger. So they brought their own match into that show. So they didn't really mingle with WWE, you know WWE talent. But you had matches like match you know Randy Savage against Tenru, right? Mm-hmm. And Jan Baba under the giant against Demolition. Mm-hmm. And then the main event was Hulk Hogan against Stan Hansen pretty much, you know, and, and then Jumbo, yeah, Jumbo and Haku, you know, teaming up against what uh, was that Mr. Perfect and Rick Marte or somebody. That's like right. That. Yeah. Yeah. And Bret Hart against Tiger Mask Misawa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hindsight, of... yeah hindsight is like wow, that Bret Hart Misawa single match actually happened, but they weren't paying attention that way, you know, back in 1990.
1: And it was the very different part of both of their careers. They weren't
2: right, right. It wasn't the best there is, best there was very hard. It wasn't quite Misawa Misawa, you know what I'm saying?
1: Right. It was interesting to see, but it's not when you hear it on paper, it sounds more exciting now than and
2: uh, if you go back and watch it, it's a good match, but the sure. people weren't really paying attention that way, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyhow, that uh, uh, it was the only time that uh, these three Old Japan, New Japan, WWF three companies worked together. And originally, that that the main event was Hulk Hogan against Terry Gordy. It was printed in the poster and everything, but the, basically, Terry Gordy didn't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I spoke with him at at the time that uh, he wouldn't do it because those because you know, this is why I work. And uh WWE, WWF people you know, come come and they come and go, you know, and then why do I have to put you know put anybody over? Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And for Baba school of wrestling, that the how Koga will be working single match that night, of course, and he has to win, right? Mm-hmm. And it has to be big name enough talent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then again, it was like a stand volunteered, you know, and uh Hulk Hogan and Stan Hansen actually it was better that way you know because it's a bigger name single match confrontation and the total main event you know Mm -hmm. and I learned something that uh, Hulk Hogan beat Stan Hansen one to three in the middle of the ring with Axe Bomber and everything but Stan gets up right away and starts going and it's like that's right I mean, did he win? Did he, uh,
1: that was, was uh, very much Stan Hansen. thinks Stan Hansen liked uh, to kick out at three point one,
2: <laughs> something like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, also- but they were so careful about the the, the whole, this twenty minutes content of the match that they went outside the ring to fight and kind of teased. Oh, is that gonna be double count out, right? Mm-hmm. Then they went back to the ring. and Say, oh, people clap, right? Then went out out of the ring for you know a long bra outside the ring and breaking table and all these things, you know. Second time, about people in the back. of Their head, I mean, including myself. Ah, oh, double counter again, you know, right? <laughs> then, yeah. then they went. Then they went back to the ring again. It's like, oh great, oh great. They, they they did that like three times, you know. So they teased long enough that it wouldn't be double counter and you know they weren't gonna disappoint you. And uh, actually with Ox Bomber, which was inspired by Stan Hansen's, you know, lariat to begin with and the uh, educated fan knew the history of Stan Hansen and Kogan in Japan, the very first trip of hal Kogan, a 27 year old Hal Kogan, you know, g- came to New Japan and uh, he was like a little brother of Stan Hansen and it was a, they were the tag ta- ta- team partners. And uh, years later, they met again at the main event situation at the Tokyo Dome. Setup is great, right? Mm. And clean finish too. To, uh, very satisfying one-two-three. But right, like you said, stands Hansen gets up the three-point one and starts going rah. So, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> so, oh, you forget not, that he lost. Or not weak. You know what I'm saying?
1: Right.
2: Yeah. You but, know, there's you you? yeah that uh, it was that. Uh, um, it was Vince McMahon who was very careful putting this thing together that uh, it was April 13th, Tokyo Dome, right? Vince came to Japan January and March. He came twice prior to the card. I mean, just to have meeting with Baba. I mean, like a 24-hour stay kind of trip, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But uh, Vince McMahon himself f- flew over and sat down with Giant Baba to go, you know, to have an actual meeting. Not the phone call, but... Uh, uh, actual meeting in hotel room with professional interpreter you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and uh it, it was strange that uh, vince mcmahon in 1990 chose jan barber to be direct partner on this show instead of new japan which wwe, you know, WWE had the previous you know partnership with yeah Oh, Baba did go to like the uh, uh, like El Paso or New Mexico, or some of the TV taping, you know. So they exchanged, you know what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like greetings. Um, anyhow, that the uh, Jan Baba's at the Tokyo Dome that night, all Japan ring was used with WWF canvas. Does that make sense? Canvas, and I think the turnbuckles too. Yeah. Yeah, turnbuckle and canvas. And what Mrs. Baba did that night was that they had Japanese staff to that the tape their regular black rope to uh, white, uh, red, white and, and red, white and blue. That was the, mm-hmm. the WWE ring at the time. The rope was white. Now it's all white, but the white taping and blue taping and red taping, like you know, you, your that's a WWE ring color, you know. But the actual ring was. Old Japan's ring with WWE canvas and WWE turn, uh, the the turnbuckle. Yeah. So that was very interesting. And they, they are very careful about, you know, putting this, you know, in a promotional match. And like if you remember 10 against Randy Savage the first time ever, and they had like a very special chemistry,
1: right? Very memorable match. Yeah. And
2: Sherry Martel worked to her perfection too.
1: Oh my yeah. gosh, she was amazing in that.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that was like the best match they thought they had. So they had great Stan Hansen Hulk Hogan match, right? And they had Randy Machman Savage against Tenru, was especially good match. And Giant Jan ba- wanted to tag with under the Giant. Of course, they go over on de- demolition, right? What was the, in hindsight it was they didn't really think about it, but it was uh, WWE title match: Champion Ultimate Warrior against Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Mm-hmm. The people booed it.
1: <laughs> and it's also uh, this was 1990, and Ted DiBiase was working All Japan just. Three years before that, so they were familiar. Yeah,
2: for like a regular, you know. Yeah,
1: and he was he wrestled. I mean, he wrestled similarly, but I mean, DiBiase was a great, great wrestler in All Japan.
2: Oh, uh, it was, yeah, and they started out as a like a Terry Funk's like a you know younger brother type thing. Sure. And worked just yeah. He and Dicky Slater and looks just they worked so good and almost it was a regular uh, American with All Japan Pro Wrestling. And when Brody left, Ted DiBiase became Stan Hansen's regular partner with matching costume, too. That's right. And the headband. Ted DiBiase with the black uh, headband. Skull, black vest, and the chaps. Yep. Yep. Very cool look. Very cool. Yeah. Then he left. So people knew he went to WWE and became Million Dollar Man. But this Ultimate Warrior. Warrior is not exactly your Japanese, but the uh, Ultimate Warrior will run in. You know, this, this you run to the ring and shake the rope and the whole thing, right? That uh, he would do what Ultimate Warrior would do anywhere in the world, which he did. And uh, but it's like a DiBiase lost to Ultimate Warrior too easy, right? It's it, I mean, almost it, like a, like a squash style.
1: It's almost like. Uh... DBS he never existed before that it seemed like it's <laughs> well, like they that, wiped out his all Japan history.
2: Of, you know mindset though you know cuz what they didn't create that never existed mm-hmm. And you know or you should know is million dollar man anyhow that it was interesting cuz Baba was not informed that not even two weeks 13 days before that show Hong will be dropping the title the WWE title to Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6. Mm. I mean, the uh, Jan Baba, old promoter, assuming that the, at the Tokyo Dome that Haukoga will be coming in as a WWE champion, and he was not informed.
1: <laughs> so, and, so that probably ah, that's interesting, and it's also. It- Hulk Hogan's match with Stan Hansen was the main event, even though the title wasn't on the line and the WWF title was uh, was under that.
2: Under that, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, the actual title match was like a third from top.
1: Yeah? Right. So it didn't yeah. feel very special in Japan, did it?
2: And also, with or without championship belt, Hulk Kong is much, much bigger stuff. Mm. And how Kogan against Stan Hansen is like a top of the top, you know, king of the kings of the kings, uh, single match mm-hmm. with or without the belt. And they delivered it, too. So it mm-hmm. was really good. And Jan Baba partially yeah. agreed to work with WWE uh, with like almost like an ulterior motive was that if Japanese company helped uh, to produce this wrestling summit, that the uh, WWE wouldn't come to Japan on their own anytime soon. Is that interesting? Mm-hmm. Which, they, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Because with this national expansion and the world tour, that the uh, WWE was going to come to Japan on their own sooner or later. Mm. And Jan, I was thought that uh, if you help, you know, this wrestling summit show that uh, Vince wouldn't come back on their own, which he will. Anyhow, that, uh, that was 1990 and uh, Ultimate Warriors WWE World Heavyweight Champion was defended in Japan. <laughs> yeah. So Ultimate Warrior did come to Japan as a champion. Yeah. That's our story today. Yeah. And... Uh, it was another. Uh, it was another three years until uh, WWE champion came back to Japan, which was uh, very interesting. That the, it was also right after WrestleMania 9 from Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. If you remember, Yokozuna beat Bret Hart, right? Mm-hmm. And Hulk Hogan came back. I mean, came in unannounced, and and the title match begins even after the main event. And the quick, real quick uh, leg drop that uh, Hulk Hogan beat Yokozuna to become WWE champion once again. Remember that one?
1: Oh, very clearly. It was at uh, Caesar's Palace outside. Caesar's
2: Palace, yeah. Then he came to Japan, New Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with WWE belt. Yeah, he, he said it didn't was like a the title, though. Did, didn't defend the championship. But he brought the physical WWE belt on his shoulder. And if you remember the interview that the backstage like, arena interview Masa Saito conducted.
1: Yeah, and he called it a, you know what, I have a, I have a he called Pin it belt. like a, a a Christmas ornament. Actually, let me see if you can hear this. I think that, I have a clip right here. You I thought do? we were going to, oh, yeah, right. because I, I imagine we would talk ago. about this. Thirty years ago, just a short clip. Here's Hogan talking about the world wrestling title and the World Wrestling Federation title. Oh,
2: it. Yeah. It's interesting. It's just a toy. It's like a trinket on a Christmas tree, like an ornament. <laughs> that's all I got. Oh, uh, but but that, that's Masasaito conducting an interview. So yes, he did it was right in like he was he was almost gone in a hiatus that he didn't work WWE the entire year, but made a surprise comeback at the end of WrestleMania and got the title right away. Yes. That was like the end of very first uh, Bret Hart's reign.
0: Yeah. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out of market team is never more than a short distance away. Specifically, the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refunds. Subscription auto renews.
2: But he did. Therefore, he did, You know, he, Hulk Hogan was able to bring the physical belt to Japan and work New Japan dates. At the time, it was like a, a Hulk Hogan against Great Muta. everybody, that was. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. he had a match with Fujinami around that time too? Uh,
2: the following January. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So, Hulk Hogan wouldn't sign with WCW until following uh, spring, like uh, May or June of '94. So he was freelance free agent at the time but when he's free agent how kogan chose to come back to japan for like a big guy he did that back in 2003 too you know against masa chono single match at the tokyo though we'll get to that anyhow that how kogan did bring that the physical wwf championship belt back to japan in 1993 they didn't defend it but uh like you said, you know, he was in between company, huh? Uh, he was leaving WWE and he was gonna sign with like a very lucrative, lucrative deal with WCW the following year. And he was free agent. And well, the, basically, when he when Haukongan came to Japan in you know, like late 80s into 90s, he, he was making like a hundred grand pop, you know what I'm saying? Mm. You I'm, know, uh, it's a uh... the highest paid wrestler ever.
1: When I was growing up, and this was happening, you know, we didn't have as much access to see what was going on in Japan regularly. No, isn't it? So, to to fans like myself at the time, I only saw Hogan for around around that time. He was doing a lot of movies. He was in Suburban right. Commando and Mister Nanny, right. and I think. Mr. Nanny? I th- is when you visited him on the thunder in paradise
2: thunder set, in paradise yeah i went was, to the movie set yeah
1: that was kind of that that in between time too when he was also going to japan when he wasn't he wasn't locked into a contract yet right or yeah, was he already one, with wcw
2: matches out of time i mean not the entire tour or anything like that and so that's when he was when doing he the, the television the show children, comes in, comes in work a match it's a big deal mm. yeah so he did come back to Japan and did that. And uh, what was interesting was, though, the very next year, 1994, yes, WWE had their own tour called Mania Tour in Japan. Champion Bret Hart, uh, The Undertaker, the Bret Hart, of course. Uh, Bret Hart, Randy Savage, Undertaker, Yokozuna, Bam Bam Bigaro, Bob Backlund. One, two, uh, 20- three, kid. Who is just on our show? Yeah, oh, yeah. We just thinking? talked was, about that a little bit. Plays, um, smoking mm-hmm. guns, uh, head shrinkers, head shrinkers, and, Fatu. Yeah. pretty strong lineup.
1: And, and they uh, had a show. Jinsei Shenzaki would appear on that right. tour too. He
2: was discovered during that tour because mm-hmm. some local local talent worked, uh, not local, but you know, as an opponent of. of Alondra Blaze, they brought in Bonakano, of course, uh, Sakiye Hasegawa, Kyoko Inoue, uh, yeah, they, they they brought all Japan women's wrestlers. They were willing to do that. And also, Tenru worked, and hmm. Jinsei Shinzaki worked. And uh, that year, he was signed with WWE, and he went to WWE the following November and became Hakushi. Yeah, Mm. but the 94, the spring of 94, WWE finally had their own tour called Mania Tour, uh, uh, Yokohama Arena, Osaka, Hiroshima, Sapporo, four shows. But at the time, there was no TV, I mean, no WWE TV in Japan, yeah, and no internet, therefore no YouTube, nothing. And uh, what they had was like, I did that, but the uh, Coliseum Video Japanese production.
1: Right, right, and it uh, Toshiba was the distributor of those
2: videotapes? Yeah, yeah, Toshiba, and uh, yeah, they, they switched by seasons because they have to sign a deal every year or something, and you know, one year, one certain company, SPO, or some company, sometimes Victor, and uh, sometimes Toshiba, right. Yeah. So I, I did have a five-year period, yeah. Okay, if I'm a fan
1: in Japan in the 90s and I wanted to watch – uh, WWE. WWF, yeah. WWE, before before the the TV deals later on, how could I watch it? Would it just be VHS watch tape?
2: Watch Coliseum Video. Call Go C to video. your local video house, you know, a video house shop. Were they widely distributed,
1: or did you kind of have to dig? Did you have to be a hardcore fan to find those, or were they widely available? Yeah, not
2: your neighborhood video shop. It's a bigger one up by the bigger train station or something, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. But it was like 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 a rock music, you know, like an artist that's not released in Japan. You know what I'm saying? Sure, like a, a very import. smaller, smaller release. You know. I see. Well, you always have pen pals and the video trade, you know, kind of thing. Like a re- Definitely, you're talking hard, real hardcore fans. Mm. Yeah, but uh, yeah, other than that, the official video was Japanese voiceover on it. It was Coliseum video, Japanese production.
1: With yours truly, Mr. Fumi Saito.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about myself, but uh, that was the uh, about the only ones. Yeah.
1: No, was, but yeah. When, when I was at your place a few months ago, you showed me you had the collection of everything that you want. There's a lot yeah, of uh, pretty everything.
2: WrestleMania 1 through 9. I did that. And then also, there was like a very small circulation of uh, the Hulk Hogan videos, you know, the, the real American or something like that yeah. Yeah, well, or SummerSlam yeah yeah SummerSlam Royal Rumble and yeah and Survivor Series of course that's about it but, but maybe like a six seven titles a year mm-hmm. <laughs> not much huh
1: it's so much different you know, now you have maybe nine or it seven to nine a month or <laughs> it's just so, yeah, something like that the yeah. output is so but much different before,
2: now but now it's 2023 that people don't even buy DVD anymore
1: that's right that's right.
2: Yeah, yeah. And before that, the the 97, 98, that the Sky Perfect TV was created, that the satellite, cha- you know, satellite dish in Japan, mm-hmm. three hundred channels, that had a, at the J Sky Sports, that the sports channel that carried WWE programming.
1: And that deal lasted a couple decades, up until maybe three years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah, two years ago. Yeah, yeah. So but that was all subtitled like movies. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. So I didn't do any of that voiceover anymore. And uh once you had that that the, they didn't have DVD. Yeah. So that uh, kind of early
1: nineties uh, time right before I guess you call it the attitude era, we're gonna yeah, use was that a, as a marker. Like a,
2: Poor, poor Bret Hart, That he had great, you know, title match all four nights, you know, and uh, they, just the audience wasn't weren't ready for this WWE, like an invasion almost. You're like WWE had their own tour in pretty big buildings like Yokohama Arena and Osaka and Hiroshima and Sapporo, you know, almost like a stadium size, but not many people were there. People weren't, you know ready and when you talk about 94 it's your work shoot uwf era in japan right right and i mean yeah. new japan
1: was very hot at the time and uwf and then shoot wrestling was very
2: Rings, yeah the uwfi the Fujiwara Gumi, then little bit little bit of their own pancreas uh the yeah, and, and also FMW and Onita and all the spin off like Wing and IWA Japan and all these things. like You had like a 30, 40 strong wrestling groups. And All Japan Women was in its prime at the time, too. Oh, 94, yeah. So, uh, I like mean, really strong. Well, so, the it's time a tough wasn't market. right. Oh, yeah, time wasn't right. and uh, But uh, Bret Hart did come to Japan as a champion. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Hmm. You actually have to wait until 2002 to have WWE run their own tour in Japan. That time, 2002, Chris Jericho undisputed WWF and WCW champion. If you remember this, that the Y2J, Chris Jericho having two belts on, on both shoulders, mm-hmm. that was the, the very beginning of this new era in, in, in like a new WWE era in Japan. 2000 on, all the way till pandemic, they had toured every summer, every spring, yeah. So they, you know, they brought in people like, you know, from, um, Rock was like a sort of like an end of his, you know, WWE run and becoming movie star, you know, after 2002, three right? That's right, yeah. Yeah. And Stone Cold did come back, but didn't wrestle because he was basically kind of retired. He came to Japan during, you know, for this, you know, WWE Mania tour, or WWE Raw tour, or WWE SmackDown tour. That Stone Cold came over, but he drank beer in in that ring. <laughs> you know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, yeah. But we had champions in Triple H era, the, the, the John Cena or Brock Lesnar, or the Carl Henning briefly. And uh, most of the time it was Triple H and Randy Orton a couple of times and even CM Punk as as a champion, yeah. And uh, WWE did have tour every year between 2002 to 19, yeah. That's a strong run.
1: They would often run a sumo hall
2: And two nights in a row, yeah, two consecutive Mm -hmm. nights. And even during this dark age of professional wrestling in Japan, like 2005, 6, 7, 8, I mean, real dark age of Japanese wrestling, right? Mm. WWE was actually the only company that could run two consecutive sumo nights, you know, sumo palace shows. That's very interesting. Isn't it? Yes, yeah, none of those. I mean, like a Muto version of you know old Japan or new Japan before uh, Tanahashi and Shinsuke Nakamura was super superstar, you know. And uh, yeah, it just was a like your K know, one, the Pride, the, the MMA company was stealing just traditional wrestling fans in Japanese market, and it was like a dark age of professional wrestling in Japan. But WWE actually was unique to the to Japanese, I guess, version of WWE Universe that they were like your concerts, you know, like a, the, the famous bands from America or like you said, Silicon Australia or the, the mm-hmm. Walt Disney on Ice, or something.
1: Like a traveling tour pack like an international entertainment package.
2: Yeah, um, and then I saw a lot of new wrestling fans. Not a wrestling fan, but WWE fans. They only watch WWE. Yeah,
1: you know. And when I was living there, when they would do the oh, show, saw that, right? I saw that. And what I found very interesting it was, of course, there were like your typical wrestling fans, casual fans. People want to check out wrestling, but also it yeah, seemed like
2: year,
1: yeah, there were yeah, like you said, there were fans that just you know. WWE, WWE was
2: fans yeah like they, uh, they started watching WWE so closely and at the time Jan, John Cena was the biggest star ever kind of thing and you know how japanese fans are like they have all kinds of cosplay you know that and,
1: was what i was going to mention i think the, yeah. the cosplay culture for wwe in japan is I,
2: yeah the, the, you know you ha- we had the yogi rock guy i mean like dress up like a rock yeah, rock yeah. Wasn't even working in the match but uh, you dress up like a cane you had a lot of undertakers you know costume guys but these and, days uh, we see a lot you of dress uh, up like john cena too you know because it's kind of easy yeah you
1: know? what i saw in japan before i left was a lot of male oscar Male Asuka cosplay. Uh, I
2: guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, Shinsuke Nakamura to, a lot. All the way to like uh, your Japanese dress, you know, cosplay, Bray Wyatt or something.
1: Yeah. So, like everybody has their own favorite characters. It seems very character driven. It's more like a, almost like a movie or. or um... I
2: guess. Yeah. It's. So uh, they attracted new fans and they were successful at that. Yeah.
1: And it seems like they built a, a WWE fan base. Like yeah, that,
2: they, they did have that
1: and that won't really check out or are interested it, you know, in
2: yeah it wasn't necessary your traditional wrestling fans, like right. Japan fans or, or 90s you know misawa kobashi fans or anything like that you know mm-hmm. probably a lot of those 90s fans had left <laughs> you know what I'm saying mm-hmm.
1: yeah. or they went to MMA or they they watched something different
2: right they watch MMA and never came back kind
1: mm-hmm. of thing.
2: Mm-hmm. or basically graduated from wrestling or something.
1: Yeah. Sure, sure.
2: so yeah, some people stop watching at some point. Sometimes, right?
1: Yeah, so, but WWE seemed to uh, establish uh, some kind of presence that was wrestling adjacent, but it wasn't quite. You know, it it, it competed yeah, and, with the
2: and, and, and for, for a couple of years uh, that uh, WWE was on Channel Eight Fuji Television Network Television show once once a week. And a couple of years, they were on TV Tokyo, the Channel 7. And they had late, – late night, but uh, they had network uh, TV show too in Japan. Oh, it uh, was uh, MX? Oh, no, 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 stronger than, than that, like uh, Channel 8, Fuji Television. Oh, before – okay, okay. Yeah, Didn't, and then the wh- Channel 12 at the time tv tokyo also network channel uh, and, and NX the program was more like a wwe this week right right it was like a, a digest show yeah yeah mm. but they did have regular tv on top of satellite you know that the, right the satellite carried everything you know raw smackdown to uh, what's the that i always forget you know like a third fourth b shows
1: yeah, like a Sunday night heat and velocity and main event. Velocity
2: events. was also on because if you want to watch Taka Michinoku and Funaki, <laughs> <laughs> they're right. on. Man. Velocity, right?
1: right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, but the, the, it was all on. Uh, had the Japanese subtitles, so, so it was like you're watching 24 or Law and Order or something.
1: Yeah, it felt like uh,
2: overseas American television. TV. Yeah, 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 American TV show. Yeah, but they did bring uh be, very healthy crowd into the the building every year. Yeah. Hmm. And people like Cart, you know, Cart Angle, that uh, Triple H, they, they, those are the superstars you see on, you know, watch on TV. So, yeah.
1: And there are also guys like Chris Jericho that were already sort of well-known. Jericho,
2: known. Something like some years, he wasn't even on WWE TV, but when the tour came, Jericho was on it, always. And he'd always have a kind of
1: special match that you wouldn't see on it was WWE television. Like a program
2: television. TV match you, at the time?
1: I rem- I think right. he had a match with Cesaro, and they did like 20 minutes or something. Something that you don't usually uh, uh, see, yeah, see on regular or TV or pay-per-view. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, and I think. They not even
2: at, at the time mm-hmm. on TV. Yeah. And Chris Jericho in Japan always had his own mic work. Ah. Because he felt, co- he felt range, more
1: comfortable. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's not like your, your program promo that you do on TV, but the uh, Chris Jericho would grab the house mic and greet Japanese fans because he had a different connection with Japanese audience uh, than the other WWE superstars. And actually, he he acted like a tour leader because he knew the nightlife in Tokyo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, bring all the wrestlers to nightclub in Roppongi or something. You know, I saw that.
1: Yeah. How Did people uh, enjoy Eddie Guerrero in WWE when he would go over there?
2: Yes, he, but they... A couple of times. Yeah, but the WWE Universe crowd in Japan weren't aware that he was Black Tiger uh, in, in, in New Japan. I mean, hardcore would know because he used to be junior heavyweight, lighter guys. He got much bigger body size, upper body, and it's I mean more super, super aura he generated. That You know what I'm saying? Like a real charm, I mean, no mask, but just mm-hmm. his Latino his heat. And, yeah, and like a body language he had. So he, that was just the Eddie Guerrero character you watch on WWE TV. And there was like, of course, Rey Mysterio, he used to work Ten Ruiz WAR, remember? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't, they weren't looking at it the same, you know, that way that uh, these are Eddie Guerrero, that Rey Mysterio, or Chris Chris Benoit, for that matter, that once they were in WWE, they were WWE superstars. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And they were, you know, performing in front of WWE Universe in Japan, of Japan, yeah. It was interesting because it was years before WWE Network, though, even.
1: Mm, that's right. Yeah,
2: yeah. I do remember so, when they launched
1: the WWE Network about 10 years
2: Japan. ago. Yeah, They're- they didn't come to Japan the couple, first couple of years.
1: But they did have a special, the Beast in the East. Do you remember that? It was a lot. Right. Oh, okay. I, you could I
2: did only, the commentary actually. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, it, it yeah, was. A, yeah. You
1: could only watch it on uh, WWE Network. It was WWE kind of experimental Network. at the time.
2: Right, kind of like a mini pay per view on internet. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think it was Brock was Lesnar it and Brock Kofi Lesnar Kingston. And somebody. Kofi yeah. Kingston. Kofi Kingston. Okay, right. Well, the, the, on paper, <laughs> Branson doesn't sound that great, but ah. yeah, it, it was also f- one time that the f- Fimbala came back as Fimbala instead of Prince David.
1: That's right, and he had a match. Yeah. I think it was Kevin Owens.
2: Right, Kevin Owens. If you're hardcore, he came to Japan when he was young and skinny. Um, Kevin, Kevin, what's his name? Kevin Steen. Steen, yeah, for uh, Hashimoto Ze01. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, well actually CM Punk did that too, you know, Hashimoto version of Zero One, young blonde hair. CM Punk came in the works. But it was all for real hardcore fans' memories, you know what I mean, like uh, archive memory. But yes. uh, once you perform in front of WWE audience in Japan, that's WWE show completely, yeah. Mm. A different set of fans, that's very interesting. But all these WWE wrestling, you know, WWE champions, we talked about from last week, people like Bruno Sammartino came, you know, came to Japan with that WWE, WWF belt. Bob Backlund came, came back so many times and had programmed against uh, Inoki and Fujinami. And Bob Backlund even dropped the title in Japan. Hulk Hogan was superstar before he was WWE superstar, but he did come back with WWE belts and... Uh, uh, yeah. well, Andre never was WWE champion, but he was unique case that he always worked Japan with with or without the partnership. Mm-hmm. But you know he didn't work all that much in you know, U.S. states, right?
1: Yeah, that's right too. Mm.
2: Yeah, that uh, still under WWE contract, but uh, he never took this full time schedule. You know and actually if you remember under the giant against ultimate warrior like squash yes i mean beating under the giant one to three in the middle of the ring every I, night pretty much
1: yeah i do remember that like uh was that right before warrior won the title
2: uh pro- yeah right around the time yeah mm. but that videotape never got to japan <laughs> Ah. Yeah. Uh. Let me see. I mean, yeah. somebody beating under the giant one two three in WrestleMania 3, how Hogan beating Under the Giant was a big deal, and it's still a big deal because it's on the opening of WWE shows still to this day.
1: Uh, you know? Oh, iconic, iconic footage.
2: Right, right. And body slamming Andre and but under the giant always works Japan. New Japan and after rest, uh, the wrestling summit we talked about today, Jan Baba brought under the Giant regularly after this wrestling summit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, one year, the yeah, real tag team tournament in December, Baba and Andre were the team. Yeah. One year. And one year he came to real world tag team tournament, but wasn't part of the tournament, but he worked every night, like a six-man tag team situation, you know? And I believe Andre the Jan had his very last match in Japan with all Japan. Was it uh, in the nineties? Yeah, he passed away in January of 93, right? Yes. I believe he worked December 92 at the very last night of Tag Team Tournament uh, at the Budokan. Baba, Andre, and Russia Kimura or somebody like that. Hmm. Yeah, so that was his very last match of of his life, yeah. I mean, it's not about the championship belt but uh, Andre uh, was very special in Japan mm-hmm. Well special with WWE you know it's not our subject today but under uh, uh, Giant, Giant passed away January of 93 right mm-hmm. that is why WWF created Hall of Fame and the first inductee was Under the Giant mm-hmm. did you know that I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, they created Hall of Fame for Andre, I believe, and the following year, '94, they inducted people like Bobby Rogers or Freddie Blassie and all these things. But uh, during during this, you know, Monday Night War between WWE, WWF to with WCW, they did not have Hall of Fame ceremony for ten, some ten years. They wouldn't start until 2004 again. Did you know that?
1: Didn't they do a ceremony in the hotel or, or something initially in the in the mid nineties? There was a, a small yeah, small not ceremony. like
2: TV sh- yeah, TV show, yeah.
1: It's kind of like, like a private, like a more like Cauliflower Alley or something.
2: Yeah, the, they later the Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and that, it yeah. Later more, on, became more the like big your
2: wrestler and their family. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: but it was still WrestleMania week. Yes, or weekend. Yeah. Yes, but. They came up with the idea in 2004. It became very special, you know, like a special show on during WrestleMania week. Yeah. So 2004 on, they've been doing that every year. But the during the actual that, uh, Monday Night War era, they didn't even have H- Hall of Fame. The Part of the reason was though, a lot of former WWE superstars were in WCW at the time, including Hulk Hogan.
1: And that's right. And the whole branding was new generation it. remember there was yeah. uh, everything it was the new generation era it was
2: yeah bret hart diesel uh, Shawn michaels diesel yeah or even psycho undertaker sid or psycho
1: sid yeah
2: yeah yeah so like, we're going through a very different era so it just really symbolize what time period that was you know what i'm saying right yeah it does yeah. so WWE champ but uh, I feel really uh, bad that, that they haven't come. Uh, they haven't come back to Japan since this pandemic, you know. Yeah, that's uh, all right. It, things really. 2020, changed. very first year of COVID pandemic. There was no WWE tour. 21, no WWE tour. 22, no WWE tour in Japan. And 2023 now, right? But you, you see. WWE Tour usually came back like in July, but we're talking end of April or beginning of May now that you would know about it if they come back, huh? Right. And it doesn't seem doesn't think, look like they are coming back this year either. Yeah,
1: it seems more like
2: they're focused on
1: reestablishing, you know, North America, or Saudi
2: Arabia or somewhere, Saudi Arabia or Europe.
1: I, I see them going more and more to, to Europe these days, or
2: more English speaking companies, um, countries. Yes. And Plus, the office they had, you know, WWE Japan office in Shibuya, it closed their shop in summer of 2021.
1: Mm-hmm. So there's no, yeah. there's no office there right now.
2: And no more J-Sports programming on the uh, Sky Perfect TV uh, the, the satellite dish. No WWE in it. Yeah. So you can
1: just watch WWE right now on the WWE Network. Or in Japan.
2: 24 hours after the initial airing, that uh, Monday Night Raw without commercial, SmackDown without commercial, 24 hours after the initial TV, uh, you can watch it on YouTube. How's that? Mm. But no Japanese subtitle, nothing. I mean, that's what uh, a lot of the people in the rest of the world watch, right? Like a uh, 24 hours after the meaning, like uh, you can watch. Monday Night Raw on, on Tuesday night on YouTube, and you can watch Friday Night SmackDown 24 hours later the Saturday night on YouTube with no commercial. But that's what that's for real hardcores, don't you think? Seems so. It seems so. Yeah. And th- things but in are the so- meantime, though, in the meantime, WWE Network became part of Peacock in America.
1: Yeah, so it has a different um well, the, the structure is a lot different, in, in not just Japan, but pretty much everywhere
2: else, other than the states. Yeah, but there is there is no such thing as Peacock in Japan, right? And there's no can NBC still in Japan. Have direct subscription with WWE Network from Japan.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but there is no Japanese subtitles or no Japanese caption or nothing like that. Yeah, so it's like uh, if you're hardcore you'll watch everything and you try, you know, find a way to watch it. Right. But it's not like what it was in, you know, year 2000 or 2010, 15 that uh, WWE had a lot more, you know, like access, you know, and uh, they were here every summer and they were on satellite TV. Then you you had WWE network and uh, yeah, right now there is no DAZN, you know, you can watch WWE on the zone and nothing like that, and no, no uh, Sky Perfect TV, and certainly not network channels. I mean, regular TV. So WWE don't have much in Japan right now. Yeah, and but uh, they, I don't think they look at Japan as uh, like a like the the top of Asian market. That the WWE office went to Shanghai, China, and Singapore.
1: mhm uh, I see
2: yeah yeah they have office in sh- Shanghai and Singapore, and they close Tokyo they basically close Tokyo office so different strategy seems like, yeah, although they have Japanese Twitter account though WWE, <laughs> not much huh and, and
1: quite a few Japanese talent. Uh, both behind the scenes oh, yeah, and in the now,
2: Yeah, Shinsuke Nakamura, Asuka, the, the Eo Sky, and all the way to your Ikemenjiro to Akira Tozawa to, yes. yeah,
1: To uh, Shoichi Funaki and uh Shunyamaguchi on the commentary for the big events on the Are WWE. Are they doing that now? I, it, only on the big events, like WrestleMania. Oh, okay. yeah,
2: okay. okay.
1: So yeah. most of it is, like you said, is the... Um, yeah, but the, well, well, when they had seven different languages, right? They, I think, just for like major, major events like make SummerSlam and WrestleMania, I maybe think they stopped
2: doing that after pandemic. And the word we didn't come up last week was a Thunderdome, they weren't doing that during the Thunderdome era. That mm. uh, there was no French commentary, there was no German commentary. And um, do they even have Spanish table anymore? <laughs> mm, I, <laughs> I,
1: mean, I don't know.
2: You Remember those era that the oh, when of they you know destroyed the the table with big move, it was usually Spanish table. Poor Hugo Sankovic. <laughs> yeah, but I don't see that now, and uh, I think it's like more you know becoming more and more American dominant. Huh? Seems so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wish WWE would come every you know come to Japan every year. You know, and then they still do have audience. You know? i'm sure
1: i i think it's more of a logistics and, and a strategy type thing just because the pandemic threw everything off every business in the world had to change its strategy so i think
2: pretty much, pretty much. I, I i would imagine you know at now least... it's now it's endeavor wwe and uh you know endeavor you know this thing that you know, owns both wwe and ufc and was what uh twenty one point six billion dollar something company, like that yeah company and uh and now that uh, their stock will, will, will be renamed as tko or something like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so it's a like lot a lot a lot of change and and, and it's not this is not completely independent of what's happening in the business world right so
1: But I also think it marks the end of a specific era, the era that we're kind of we've been talking about the past two weeks is the the WWE's major championship present in Japan. Uh, It was a lot more um, active 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago.
2: Yeah, because they work directly with Japanese ex- existing companies.
1: Mm-hmm. And know. over the years, it seemed to... Yeah, the Chai and Bob against way. Bruno
2: San Martino, that, uh, uh, Bob Ackland against Antonio Inoki, the Hulk Hogan against Inoki, and Hulk Hogan against Fujinami. The, oh, yeah, and uh, after this, you know, attitude, era, new generation era, attitude era, it's completely American brand in Japan. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, like, Triple H. I'm mean, I just counting on Triple H. You know that uh, he should do something sp- special for Japanese market. Yeah, because there was an idea. Remember, like a, a four years, five years ago, the NXT Japan idea.
1: That was the idea being thrown around, and uh, Triple H would. I, I'd often see him in the weekly pro wrestling magazine, shaking hands with people and recruiting Japanese talent. It was a lot more. And active. William
2: Regal actually came to Japan to you know do more groundwork yeah
1: Mm -hmm. and those two really those are two guys that uh, they know how to
2: Japanese market
1: they know how uh, it works
2: and also uh Triple H personally was fascinated with Japanese dojo system to bring up rookies you know because how come all those those rookies come out of Japanese dojo they're all good right Mm -hmm. like a discipline thing or uh, that the workout thing or ethic thing or, or what, right? But what was interesting was that see, NXT Japan, the idea, idea was there that uh, I believe NXT Japan was going to be your reality show, sort of. Right, like an Ultimate like, Fighter UFC
1: type show. Yeah,
2: like sending American rookie to Japanese dojo and have them debut here and film every step of the way. Mm -hmm. Whereas Japanese wrestling community felt was that when they created NXT Japan, it was going to be American dojo in Japan, different perception, right? Mm -hmm. And And, uh, uh, whoever graduated from NXT Japan dojo would get to go to America complete opposite idea.
1: Yeah. And all these ideas, it's, it's really hard because I think this was all meant to be on the WWE network. It was supposed to yeah, be yeah like amazing. a
2: show yeah like a programming like so, original show yeah.
1: so I don't I don't think anything like that is on the table right now I wouldn't imagine
2: right but uh, realistically if they want to do something like that that the American coach should be in Japan too you know what I'm saying
1: mm-hmm. I guess it depends yes. on how what, what they want it to look
2: like or what they want it to be yeah somebody like William Regal or somebody like Sean Waltman, like Alandra Blaze or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, no Japanese people in Japanese market and do the dojo in Japan. They can film it, you know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. the, the Japanese wrestling community felt that next Japan Dojo will debut Japanese wrestler here and you can get to go to America and be WWE superstar. Completely different idea. Mm. Yeah. But I'm, I'm hoping they'll do, I mean, they'll get, you know, get back to this, you know, WWE, um, uh, NXT Japan idea or something. Right now, NXT Europe uh, uh, will be something big this this year, right?
1: So th- that's supposed to be they the, you know they collapsed the NXT UK to expand it into more of a European brand. Is that is that how it's supposed to work?
2: Uh, I what I know is Meiko Satomura is a big part of it.
1: I she's the big the, like the main trainer or,
2: uh, or the cast oh. too
1: organizer promoter whatever
2: and the star in the ring oh wow she's great i mean i'm talking yeah i mean meiko satomura doesn't work like anybody else i mean he's original you know and it's
1: you know it's funny to think we're talking about the championship wwe championships in japan but these days it's more common to see japanese champions in wwe (laughs)
2: Uh, like shinsuke nakamura sure
1: yeah the 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 talent is in the united states and the titles are in the united states not the other way around or united states or europe or whatever it's it's not as much the company coming to the country but talent coming to the company in the states
2: but you like shinsuke nakamura you just have to really move to florida move to america and live there mm-hmm. it's, the Shinsuke Nakamura has been living in Florida for 7 years now. Mm, I heard he yeah.
1: likes it very much. I heard he likes to surf.
2: I don't think he's coming coming back to Japan anytime soon, no.
1: Yeah, so good for him.
2: Oh, like people like, you know, Funaki, he still lives in America. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, he's lived here for what? More than 20 years.
2: Uh since 98. Wow. <laughs> That's a long time, yeah.
1: He's another interesting character who doesn't probably. He has an interesting story that I don't think people are aware of.
2: Um, yeah, because he wasn't exactly champion in in the ring, but he did a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of different things. Yeah, yeah. We can talk about that sometimes. Yes. Mm. Well, in fact, he's he, in fact he's back in Japan right now for a couple weeks. Oh, for yeah. business or just for? Uh... Uh, I think visiting family. Ah. Very yeah, I'll, I'll have lunch with him like next week. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. indeed, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our WWE champions in Japan. It really, you know, tells that the like relationship and and uh, really, uh, you know, tells about the time, you know, and sixties ish, seventies and eighties relationship, nineties relationship. That uh, uh, millennium relationship to uh, all the way to now, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you could see how closely the businesses in Japan, and the United States, were tied together back in the day, and how slowly business changed, and how uh, there would be less and less working together. The corporations grew into more global entities, and. Competitions were different. It just it, it
2: it's, it's a, different. Yeah, very much different. Yeah.
1: Knowing all of this is a nice way to visualize how the business changed over the past couple of decades.
2: Yeah, not just really Japan, not it. just America, but the course. pretty much overall, you can see kind of a big picture of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can see where it shifts. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, I think we hit most of the the key points. though yeah, we did. So. If we left anything out or anybody has questions, where oh, can we... I'll
2: take questions. Yeah. Well, where... we should have a question episode too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to uh, uh, gather
1: up a number of questions. I and mean, we can get some questions to do a QA episode. But um, if we want to ask you directly, where can we find you on social media? Fumi-san?
2: On Twitter, at Fumihikodayo, F U M I H I K O D A Y O, Fumihikodayo, on Twitter, or Fumisaito on Facebook. Message me first.
1: And on Twitter, I'm at Justin Mnip and I P P E R. And that's it. That's our WWE Championship series in Japan. So until next week, me, take it away.
2: So long from Tokyo.